What do mums love about Focus on the Family's Clubhouse magazine? I love watching her have so much fun, and I know that every page is pointing her to the Lord. I love that my son teaches me about Jesus from what he learned in Clubhouse magazine. I love watching them get all excited when they run to the mailbox each month. To order your magazine subscription to Clubhouse or Clubhouse Junior, please visit us at clubhousemagazine.ca. That's clubhousemagazine.ca. You're going to have to get supernatural intervention. It's like going to the gym and trying to lift a weight, and the trainer has to come over sometimes and spot you. We need the Holy Spirit to spot us in many of these instances where the pain is so great. You can't do this. We can't live this life in our own strength. That's Deborah Pagay, and you'll be hearing more from her today on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and welcome to our broadcast. You know, confrontation is one of those things that most people, including Christians, try hard to avoid. It's just hard to confront somebody. It makes us uneasy, and it's associated with such negative emotions. It doesn't feel good to do it, uh, and it can be intimidating. Those are the basics. But even with all that, the Bible is full of examples of people that had to deal with conflict and confront others. And that gives us hope that with God's help, I'd say for the most part with God's help, confrontation doesn't have to be such a scary thing. You know, here at Focus on the Family, we want to help you thrive in all areas of your life. And uh, that includes your marriage, your parenting. And parenting has a little bit of conflict, doesn't well, it? It does, yeah, from time to time, maybe even the past <laughs> maybe a like few every hours. <laughs> but uh, that's our goal here. Uh, practicing healthy conflict and communication is a big part of reaching that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our guest is going to help us better handle all of that, navigate the issue. And uh, Deborah Pagay has been with us before. She always gets a strong response from you, our listeners, and she is a certified behavioral consultant, a Bible teacher, a popular speaker, and the author of numerous books, including one that uh, really ties into today's topic, Confronting Without Offending, Positive and Practical Steps to Resolving Conflict. Deborah, welcome back to Focus. Oh, I'm so delighted to be here today. Thank you for having me. We love you. You just bring so much <laughs> great wisdom and uh, energy and excitement. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You know, just uh, for the listeners to know you a little bit better, you were uh, senior vice president of a major company, correct? I was vice president of MCA Universal Studios. Yeah, that must have been interesting. Well, it was. It w- I was a venture capital division, and we started new companies, a very high-risk venture. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Did you enjoy that? I loved it. It was my second best job of all times. When what I'm com- doing now is my first. When it comes uh-huh. to confronting people, you probably had to do that quite often. A lot, but it's a great topic to talk about, and it's a great word, and I just tell everybody, let's just take a deep breath and make friends with the word of it. Let's just make what, what we understand uh, confrontation is. Can we just do that, Jim, so we can <laughs> set the it. tone? Do so it. confrontation is really just the act of coming together face-to-face. In fact, that's what the word means. Con means with, front means face, with face. We're just coming together face-to-face. Yeah. That's it. We're just trying to get unity. Well, let me ask the next basic question. Why is confrontation so hard to do? It's hard because we don't know what the person is going to, how the person is going to respond. But most people don't like the risk of maybe being alienated. Because I don't know if I tell you, you know, Jim, that really is the wrong color sweater for you. Because <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Like <laughs> of that, course right? not. <laughs> we'll get into the principles of it. But most people don't like it because most people just don't like that risk. Uh, you know, I was studying this the other night, the risk of being alone. So if I tell, uh, ultimately, that's the core fear. 
I'm, I'm afraid that if I tell you something, you're going to reject me, and now I'm going to be out of fellowship with you. And I don't like that. That fear of being alone is just very core. Well, some listening right now might be saying some people have an appetite for confrontation. You don't want to do that either, do you? No. I mean, you don't want to really tell me, Mike. Not sweater is his- not the right color. Not in the historical <laughs> sense of the word. And I'd right. have to invest more in you before I could do that anyway. <laughs> but most people, I, see, my husband thinks I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Now we're going to marriage counseling here. No, no, no. He thinks I like, I don't mind confronting an issue because I know that it's going to achieve unity. So I always like to say that confrontation is the bridge to unity. Because most people who offend us don't know that they have. So if I can come together face to face with you, now we can be back on the same page. And that's where God is going to command the blessing. I always like to say that. Yeah, and I like that. I think one of the the management themes I like to apply here at Focus on the Family is don't let things sit in dark under the table. Get it up on the table so the Lord can help you deal with things. Absolutely. If you remember that the only things that take root are things underneath the surface. So a root of Mm. bitterness could develop if you put things under the table. Well, I want to get to a practice. Practical uh, story that was in your book, talking about your husband. Actually, <laughs> and you were trying to, uh, you know, I think work something out, maybe remodel his his home office. Yeah, I was trying Describe to describe get... the events of that yeah, day. Yeah, I was just so excited to do it, and it was a busy time for me. But I took the time to go and buy a special piece of glass, and I put it on his desk. And I couldn't wait uh, for him to know that he had additional space now to work. He drove up in the garage, and he was sitting in the car forty five minutes. Forty five minutes in the, in the house. I'm thinking, who in the world is he talking to? And in the car. Why didn't he just come in the house and finish? We have no secrets like that. Who is that? So he came in the house, and I said, "What? What was going on out there?" See, that's see, that's not <laughs> right. the way you started. <laughs> yeah, but that's the way most of us would start. I know. Mm-hmm. We say, "Why?" To be honest, why in the world? Yeah. So I should have said, "Is that was there a problem, sweetheart? I'm glad you're home. See, I got to have this sandwich approach. I need some affirmation first before I jump right into it. Because anytime you start it with why, now the person is on the defensive. Okay, mm-hmm. so say it again. How, so what's I a said, better way? To so go? a better way is to. The sandwich approach. Right. I have bread, meat, bread. Okay. So what does that mean? The bread is an affirmation, something positive. The meat is the issue. It's got to be wheat bread then. (laughs) If it's positive. It's got to be something. (laughs) Yes. I need need to be more affirming before I jump into the problem. Right. And then I need to close it by being affirming. I should have said, sweetheart, was there a problem? And that's all I could have said, asking the question, and that's the key. Learn to ask the right question in a positive, non-accusatory way. Now, does that methodology work all the time? Is that the kind of standard way you should? That's the standard way, and, and there's a precedent set in the Bible when God confronted Adam and Eve. <laughs> yeah. Where are you? What have you done? I think, you ask the question. I think when I, I was thinking of the person that's aggressively wanting to confront, there may be a difference between retaliation and confrontation. So mm. describe the, the difference. Uh, some but, people yes. want to. To retaliate. Well, and when I teach these principles, they say, why do you, why, you know, Jesus said to turn the other cheek. So why are you talking about confronting people? Listen, there's a difference between retaliation and confrontation. Yes. Confrontation, again, is coming together face to face. Retaliation is returning the punishment. Okay. Now that's different. Eye for an eye? Yeah. So that's not godly. But confrontation is. That's why the Bible says, if your brother trespass against you, go and tell him his fault. That's Matthew eighteen fifteen. If your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him his fault. You go and tell him his fault. Right. So was there more to your husband's story yes. of the remodel? What happened <laughs> yes. next? Okay, so I'm I, starting to uh, uncover yeah. this now. Yes. Okay, so he walked in the house and he said, you know, and I had been telling him, you got to be more involved in people and listen to their stories because, you know, sometimes I'll listen too long. You go like, you need to just put that up, you know. So you were coaching him. So, well, but see, he was doing what I asked him to do. He had a relative who was in distress and he wanted to sit in the car and minister to her. And it took a while. So I didn't know that. I'm just wondering, who is he talking to in the car? 
in the garage, 45 minutes. While I wait, <laughs> exactly. while I wait to show him what I just did so I can get back yeah. to my writing. Now, just come on in here and get the surprise <laughs> so I can get back to what I'm doing. But I think we anyway, can all relate. It, it ended well. And when he told me what he was doing, it made sense. Because, yeah. again, so the principle there, I should have sought first to understand. How do, you, how do you have the presence of mind to take the breath and not, well, finally, you're home. Yeah. Kind of, you know, Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah. So nice of you. How how do you take the breath and just prevent yourself from going down that road? You just do it. You take a deep breath and you say, okay, everything works together for my good. That's my fallback scripture. Everything's Mm. working together for my good. God has me covered. He's not up to anything. (laughs) He's a good man. He may be not responding in a way he should have. He should have just come in and at least waved or whatever. But you just do it because the Holy Spirit helps you. He tempers you. That's why I always like to say temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. You Mm. can temper your words. You can temper your tongue. You really can. Let me ask you this. Uh, In your book, Confronting Without Offending, you identify four core styles. So let's name them and give us a brief description of each. Okay. Well, first is the dictator. That says, you do it my way. That's John, how we confront. Don't be thinking about do it that, my John. <laughs> do it my way. And the interesting thing is there's always a time and a place for each one. So they're not either good or bad. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the situation. Because if you have someone in your household, let's say, bringing drugs into the house, that's not the time to try to seek first to understand. That's the time to say, stop it. You do it you what I You need to be a dictator. Yeah, you need to be a dictator. Right. And then the other one is the uh, abdicator. They run away. They don't say what's wrong. They just go quiet. They yeah. don't say. That's what, in fact. What's yeah. at the core of that? For those that are struggling with confrontation that say, yeah, that's me. I'm the abdicator. What, what, why is that? It's a fear of confronting. Sometimes it's an attempt to get attention. You know how children sulk? Yes. And they'll just say, I'm not going to say anything. Or your wife will sulk. Or you'll sulk. They'll say, what's wrong with you? And what do you say? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> well, something Everything. is wrong. <laughs> you know, and you need to be able to say, when you did this, I felt this way. And that, that's it. So that that's interesting, though, for those that might suffer in that area, that you're looking for attention. you got to recognize that. Yes, and you, as the person who needs to confront that, you don't need to cater to that it, because you teach people by what you tolerate. So if, if you teach me that the way to get my attention is to sulk, then that's going to be my model from now. Hmm. I'm going to pout because that's going to get your attention. Now, you can let me give you an example. My, I was in the house one night, and I told my husband, I said, oh, man, I, said, I wish I had my briefcase for my car. It's like, do you want that briefcase out of that car? (laughs) Why do you need to just, you know, not be indirect like that? Why don't you just say, get the briefcase out of the car? (laughs) Well, that's true. But that could be a fun way of getting to that question. Yeah, but it's manipulative. That's true. Okay. (laughs) Now you got me checkmate. I was being manipulative, you know, in a way that I wasn't aware of. And I love this whole process. It's kind of like a dance, you know, and I need to be able to say what's bothering me. That's the key. I need to be able to say your behavior is having a negative impact on me. But I need to give you the benefit of the doubt. Right. Because you probably are not intentional in trying to hurt me. So we have the dictator, the, the abdicator. What's next? The collaborator, the ones who come together. And that word collaborator, you see two words, co-labor. We need to learn how to work together that says, look, I understand you have a need, but I have a need also. Let's work together. That's what the collaborator is. And that's probably the best way. And that's the goal. But you also have the accommodator. Oh, the accommodator. Now, that's where a lot of Christians are. We keep quiet for peace sake. That's not in the Bible. Do you know that's not in the Bible? <laughs> right. But I think there is, you know, I think inferences that if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, uh, you could probably infer that keeping quiet sometimes is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do, but it's not the right thing to do when you're in conflict. Okay. No, it's fair. not. You need to be able to put it on the table. I love how you set the tone at the beginning. You said, don't put it under the table. Yeah, that's right. Come on, let's just say what's out there. I don't need to keep quiet for peace sake because I send my anger underground. And I believe that's what resentment is. It's just resending your anger underground. You need to keep it on the table. You know, so often these areas uh, that we're talking about can be 
Yeah, you know, suggested by the world as well. These are good principles to live by. So as Christians, what are the scriptural references? I think in the book you talk about three core principles. You've alluded this to them, this but way, let's we were let's commanded to confront. Okay. So, okay, the first was Matthew eighteen fifteen. If your brother trespass against you, go and tell him his fault. But it, that's when, you, when somebody has offended you. Right. But there's also a time when you have offended somebody. And that's in Matthew five twenty three, And it says, if you are at the altar and you're offering your gift and you remember that somebody has something against you, he says, just stop it right there and go and be reconciled. Yes. That means you notice that somebody has something against you and they may not have said it, but you feel that emotional distance and you need to say, is something going on? Did I offend you in some way? Seek first to understand you need to be the initiator of the reconciliation. Mm. We, we each have a responsibility. What happens in that situation where you have attempted to do that, but it gets rejected? You've done your part. So you're done. You're done. You're done. Interesting. You, yeah, you're done. And see, sometimes you just keep pulling after somebody, and yeah. they don't want to be reconciled with you for whatever they reason. They want to stay bitter. Maybe they, want, they don't know how to forgive. They don't want to forgive. That's their lever. Hmm. They're going to make you pay from now on. And the third one would be Proverbs 19, correct? What that says, don't always confront. Proverbs 19, 11 just says, you know, a man's wisdom gives him patience and it's to his glory to overlook an offense. Huh. So don't confront everything. You know, and I always say the danger in my teaching this is that women especially leave out of the seminar. And they, now they're ready to just make everybody line up. They're going to be like, all right, all of you line up. No more quiet here. I'm not going to be quiet anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to be accommodating for peace sake. This is what I want, and I want it now. Yeah, but it's difficult to let go. I mean, some people temperamentally, they're ruminators. And what I mean by that is they dwell on something to the most negative degree possible. And that's learned. How does Okay, that's learned. So how yeah. does the ruminator back up and not go to the, the most horrible uh, thought about another person? How do you train yourself? You train yourself with the word of God and you have to desire at the, at the very core. I want to do this God's way. So I know it's his will for me to forgive. It's his will. So I'm not going to feel it. I'm just going to do what I need to do. I'm going to pray for them, do good, bless them, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. I'm thinking of several relationships right yeah, now to, <laughs> to apply the, these concepts to. And we're we're only 10 or 15 minutes into the program <laughs> here. Uh, we still have another 10 or 15 to go. Confronting without offending, positive and practical steps to resolving conflict. Our guest on Focus on the Family has written this great book, uh, Deborah smith Pigay, and uh, she is full of biblical insight and wisdom and Obviously, uh, Deborah, you've stumbled along the way, and that's how you've come up with a lot of these great concepts. Well, I, I used to be in conflict with people because I'm, I tend to be direct, and I know that that kind of puts people like, like but I, you know, I learned to get his words. That's why I, I have actually written out scriptures, Isaiah 55, 11, mm. you know, my words don't return void, or Isaiah 50 and 4, God has given me the tongue of the learned. I should know how to speak a word in season. Mm. So I said, God, give me your words. And I listen for them. I don't have to just confront and say the first thing that's on my mind. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Suppose you were to call Deeks Insurance and discover that over the past few years, you've been overpaying on your car insurance premiums. Thousands of dollars that could have gone into ministry or be spent on your family. It's more common than you think. Stats confirm even the insurance companies that have taken the most dramatic increases retain 85% of their clients. Not because there aren't alternatives, it's consumer apathy. Call Deeks Insurance at 1-800-240-5283. Deeksinsurance.ca 
Amanda's marriage was a train wreck, trying to raise four young kids, facing bankruptcy, constant arguments, and then her husband had an affair. So finally I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, I've done everything, and there's, like, I don't know what else I can do. I can't stand to look at him. I can't, I can't stand to be around him. What do you want me to do? Thankfully, God intervened, and Amanda's life began to change as she listened to our broadcast app. So really, focus on the family gave me hope, uh, and it gave me a change in perspective, you know, that no, not every marriage is going to end. There is hope. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can rescue more marriages like Amanda's, especially during this coronavirus pandemic. Donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give or call 800 the letter A and the word family. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. You also have uh, six strategies for an effective confrontation. Let's go through those, uh, cover them, and then highlight the ones you think are most critical. Okay, well, first of all, you need to understand the purpose of the confrontation. When you're going to speak to someone about something that's problematic, what is your goal? At the end of the day, at the end of the conversation, what do I want to achieve? So be clear on the purpose, and it should always be to start some good behavior or to stop some bad behavior. So think about what do I want to happen at the end? Okay. But secondly, we have to select the right time in the right place. There's a time to confront and there's a time not to confront. Right. You know, and so when a person is hungry, tired, whatever, that's not the time to say, we need to talk about this. Not the time. Just wait till the person can be more receptive. And when you do it, you go on your own behalf. You own the problem. Okay. You know how sometimes we, we confront like a sniper. We're hiding like, well, they think you are. You know, you got to say, I've noticed this. Right. I own the problem so that I, I'm not coming here on behalf of everybody. I'm coming here on behalf of the impact on me. And then I want to be specific. I want to talk about exactly what you've done that I find problematic. Yeah, I don't want to say. Example. Yeah, I don't want to say, well, you know, you just, for instance, I, I had this example. Let's say somebody straightened your husband's tie at church and you were a little uncomfortable with that. That just seemed a little bit familiar to you, yeah. too familiar. You don't want to say, well, you should just watch your behavior when you're around married men. What, what does that mean? Right. I need to say I was a little uncomfortable with that. I know that you're a friendly person and I don't know what that might look like to others, but I want to help protect your reputation as well as my husband's. And I you may not be aware of that, but you might not want to do that in public. No, that's good. Or anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Okay. Don't do that again. That's a great example. So that's, is that three? That's four. That's four. Okay. Go to the fifth. Okay. Uh, seek first to understand. Don't seek to be understood, but ask the question. Key thing, ask the question. Read the story of, of how God confronted Adam and Eve. He asked questions that oh, he already knew the answer to. Yeah. Adam, where are you? You're God. You know where he is. In fact, probably a great illustration of applying these principles, again, in a biblical context, is Nathan confronting David. Yes, when David says, what? And then Nathan says, <laughs> you know, he tells David, you've done something bad. And David kind of like resists it. And he says, you are the man. <laughs> right. You know, I gave you an example. What I just talked about, you're guilty. And he connected the dots. I yeah, mean, he used kind of a metaphor, yeah, right, but right. he knew yeah, David he would understand right. it. I, I like Jim the example because Nathan took a question to David. I mean, he, he laid out that story and then he said, what should be done about this? Yes, questions are powerful. That's why you got to ask the right questions because they get the person that really see themselves. Hmm. It's like, what did you mean when you did that? What what were you thinking? Not what what in the world were you thinking? No, what were you thinking? I'm, I'm seeking to understand. Uh, my old mentor used to say these exact words. She said, help me to understand. And then 
then she would go on to describe the behavior. Help me to understand. Is there a way to uh, make that, I, I don't want to be flippant with this, but to make it kind of a positive game? So when you're engaging people, you remember to do it the right way. You remember to ask questions. Uh, well, just think about a hamburger. Okay, yeah, no, <laughs> you you're know, good you with ha- these. You have the bun, you have the, the meat. Make sure the meat is thick enough because sometimes we do what I used to say we used to do in Texas when we were growing up. If we didn't have meat for the sandwich, we'd make a mayonnaise sandwich. It would just be bread and mayonnaise. Yeah, not so like, good. like, where's the meat? <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you can confront people in a way until where you're not specific enough or it's not strong enough until they know what indeed is the problem you're trying to confront. So you want to make sure you give the bread. Here's an example. You're in Sunday school. The person next to you in the room is just too loud in the next room, the next teacher. And you can say, listen, you have such great thoughts. And, you know, we really enjoy your Sunday school class. But the quarters here are so close. We're going to need uh, it really is disturbing to my class. You know. Wow. Yeah. So you say, listen, can you just tone it down? Mm. You know, because, we, you know, we know you have a lot of wisdom and, and I even get distracted sometimes. So you got to own the problem like that. Well, we're touching on that other area of speaking right words. Right words. And again, it, this kind of comes out of who we are. Uh, the tongue, you know, the, yes. the scripture talks about our tongue being evil, and we speak those words, and you can't wrap them back up. Once they leave your mouth, they're there. That's why you you tell yourself. See, there should be affirmations that we, one of the ones, one of my affirmations is from Proverbs 31. I don't remember the exact scripture, but it says, she opens her mouth with wisdom, mm-hmm. and on her tongue is the law of kindness. So I'll say, that's me. I open my mouth with wisdom. Now, I don't always do it, but I determined that to be my, my standard. I open my mouth with wisdom, and on my tongue is the law of kindness. Now, I can tell you when I didn't open my mouth with wisdom, when I hired somebody who didn't know what he was doing. And I was so frustrated with the fact that he was had lied about his experience. One day I was giving him something and I said, what is the problem? This isn't brain surgery. <laughs> right. I didn't know till years later. He said that wiped him out. He told wow. somebody else. Yeah. He said, I just wiped him out. Now, what about the person who either in their marriage or in their work environment, they manage the situation, they manage people in the work environment, or maybe they try to manage their marital relationship. Yes, yes. Right. And they think that's the right thing to say because it brings clarity. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but it's not going to bring unity. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. And the purpose is to bring unity and effectiveness. Interesting. So that's yes. a good banner to remember. That's why in a work environment, you always want to confront privately. Hmm. That's privately. good. Yes. You also speak to the uh, importance of listening. And, you know, some of us that like to speak, if you're extroverted, that's a hard discipline to learn. It is. It is. So how do you go about doing that better? You just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be more complicated. A good start. No, no, you just stop talking. You, and you know, you know the thing to do. I'd always say this: when you're in a confrontation, wait five seconds before you respond. You can look at the person, just like I'm looking at you now. You, listen, if you're not type that like to look at a person directly in his eyes, look at his nose. You say, I, and you nod your head. You say, "I hear you." It does not mean I agree with you. It literally means I hear you. (laughs) Right. But if you say that, now you've validated that person's position. And I can tell you, half the battle in a confrontation is for that other person to feel like they've been understood. Yeah. No, that's so good. Speak to the pitfalls we need to look for uh, when we're negotiating, if we can call it that. We talk about that negotiating process. What is it and where does it pop up? Well, make sure it's win-win. You don't want to always just come away the winner because you're the loser. If, If you're the only one who won in the conversation, you're the loser. You know, Deborah, probably the greatest issue we have is really letting loose of the offender. We touched on it a little, but... How do we really dig down and let go of, of somebody who's harmed us emotionally or, you know, in any way? I, there's a story, a supporter to focus. I won't embarrass him by using his name, but 
he was jogging along the road and hit by a driver and broke bones, went into the windshield, could have killed him. And over a short few weeks, just because of his kindness, he's actually led this man to the Lord, the driver, who hit him. Imagine the fear of that. You could respond with great um, uh, meanness toward that person, righteously, saying, what did you do to me? Look what you've done to me. I'm going to have this long rehabilitation time. Instead, he talked to him about the gospel and the fact that Christians need to forgive. And I'm a Christian, and I forgive you for this. Wow. How do you do that? Yes. You know that requires some supernatural intervention. Mm -hmm. You can't just forgive in your own strength. You're going to have to ask God to give you the grace to do that. You need divine empowerment to forgive. I was raised in a family where we didn't forgive at all. I told my husband when we first got together, try not to do anything where I have to forgive you because in my family we do no forgiving. (laughs) I actually told him that. Wow. But you know what? As I learned, and I had a great mentor in this area, you're going to have to get supernatural intervention. It's like going to the gym and trying to lift a weight, and the trainer has to come over sometimes and spot you. We need the Holy Spirit to spot us in many of these instances where the pain is so great. You can't do this. We can't live this life in our own strength. And that's the lesson. Ask God's help. Yes, that's the key. I hope everybody's hearing that, Deborah, yes. because you've got to start there. He's yeah. the one that can give you that insight, yeah. that peace in your heart to not only yeah. forgive, but to do this well. And don't even try it in your own strength. I mean, you can't count to 10 or make a New Year's resolution, I will, I will, I will. You have to say, Holy Spirit, come in. And you know what? You have to behave your way towards that. Feelings follow actions. Yeah. Feelings follow actions. You began to do good towards that person. What does the Bible say? Bless those who've hurt you. Do good. Pray for them. Do that. Do that. And you will find your feelings change. Don't wait for the emotion, though, to come first. Mm. Start doing it. Good coaching. Deborah Pagay, this has been great. Uh, You always have such great insight. So thank thank you you for being with us. I have one more question for you. But first, I want to turn to the listener. Maybe this is touching your heart. You have great conflict with your spouse or with people at work. Maybe your kids. We want to support you and provide you with the resources you need to do better. And really, when I say do better, I mean to demonstrate more godly behavior. When the church is acting godly, I think the culture will come to their senses. So it's on us. Mm -hmm. It really is. And Deborah's done a wonderful job of laying all of this out in her great book, Confronting Without Offending, positive and practical steps to resolving conflict. She really has, John. And I'd also like to ask you to consider supporting the ministry of Focus on the Family. Each and every day, over a thousand people reach out to Focus for help. Many are in full-blown crisis. Others are just looking for some practical help and wisdom. God is really working through friends like you to bring healing and hope to couples on the verge of divorce, mothers considering abortion, uh, families in crisis, and parents who are struggling, maybe children waiting in foster care, and so much more. But all of those who benefit from Focus on the Family Resources, like this radio program, Uh, Only a small percentage support the ministry through prayers and financial gifts. Uh, Families across the country and around the world need you. Think about how many more people God could help through your support of Focus on the Family Canada today. So partner with us and become part of the support team. Get in touch and donate and request your copy of Confronting Without Offending when you uh, go online at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. So, Deborah, here's the question. Um, What would you say to that person 
who's been avoiding confrontation for a long time. Uh, She thinks it's just too late to reopen or open for the first time those floodgates and bring it all out into the open now. Speak to that person specifically. Whatever the issue is, first of all, narrow it down to one thing. Don't bring many issues to the table at once. Let's just get the core issue down. And then ask God for his words. God, Mm. give me the words to bring this issue to the table in a way that's honoring to you. And then decide that no matter what, you're going to always be that initiator. Blessed are the peacemakers. Don't keep silent any longer. The Bible didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers, not those who just keep peace and keep quiet for peace sake. Because if you don't have the peace, then you haven't kept the peace. Mm. Everybody has to have the peace. And so I say get God's words. Um, Call the person up and say, I really want to be in harmony with you. How can we work this out? Man, that is so good. Yeah. Tell me what I've done as well. I'm willing to hear what I've done to cause this breach. I'm open to hearing it. Deborah, thanks for being with us. Good advice. Thank Mm -hmm. you. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you thrive in Christ.